Today, we're going to talk about laying hold of your healing. There's an incredible presence of God for you to lay hold of your healing today. There's an incredible presence of God right now for you to lay hold of the blessing of God in your life. We talked about it a little bit last week, but we're going to go into it more today. Guys, the Word of God is true. God's Word is living. It is full of life and it's full of power. It'll lead you, it'll guide you. The Word of God will heal your body. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 that His Word is life to all that find it and health, or actually the word literally means medicine, to all their flesh. And I'll say this, if you take the Word of God in huge amounts over a long period of time, there is nothing that the Word can't heal in your body. I mean, it could replace body parts, it could replace organs, it, it, it literally drives out cancer. It literally will, will take an organ, a pancreas, and re, restore it to health. This is for us today. If you have pain in your body, Jesus bore it so you don't have to. If you have sickness and disease in your body today, it has no legal right there. We don't deny it, but we as a child of God, because of who we are, we are the healed we were healed 2,000 years ago by Jesus. He bore every one of our sicknesses and our diseases so we don't have to. With his stripes, we were healed. Well, if I was healed, I am healed. This is not complicated. This is a done, finished work. If this represents physical healing, this is how hard it is to obtain your healing. It's as hard as me picking up this bottle. Notice I didn't have to really work to do it. Why? Because it's, it's my bottle. So I just, I just, Father, I thank you. I thank you. Now Satan can yell and scream. He can, he can cause, try to, try to increase the pain, but it doesn't matter what he does, the pain has to leave. That he, can, he can try to cause the tumor to grow, but it doesn't matter. The tumor has to leave. The condition maybe you've had for years and years and years. Listen, you're the healed. And when that light goes on, it has to leave. It's the same way for poverty, for lack. Prosperity, it's literally, it's as easy as picking up this bottle. Because prosperity is not money. It's so much more than money. Prosperity, you know, you know what prosperity is? It's Jesus. Prosperity is a person. Do you know healing? It's a person. It's Jesus. He is the healer. So today we're going to talk about how to lay hold of that. We talked about it a little last week. We're going to continue to talk about it today. So open your Bibles up. Let's go to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 11. Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Now you got to understand, the book of Romans is so foundational, and the book of Romans says some things. It says that you and I were crucified with Christ. It says we were buried with him in baptism. It says that we were raised to newness of life. And this Greek word literally means a brand new life. It's 2 Corinthians 5. We're a new species, one that's never be existed before. Old things have passed away, now everything's become new. I am now raised to newness of life, but if that's not enough, I am made now to sit with him in heavenly places in Christ. The Bible tells me in Romans and Ephesians and throughout the epistles, it says that I've been blessed with 
every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, which is where I'm at. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, the book of Romans defines that. The book of Romans tells you that if the Spirit of God dwells in your spirit, then you're in Christ. Well, guess when that happened? Right when you got born again. Right? So, so now, all the promises in Christ are, well, it says, are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen, which means so be it unto me. The Bible says that we've been given all been given, this is something that's already happened, all things that pertain to life and godliness. I love that. We've been giving all, given all things that pertain to the Zoe life of God, so now we have been given everything we need to walk in the Zoe life of God, the overflowing life of God. Isn't that good news? And it says, and godliness, which means as we walk that out, that's we walk like God. You are to walk like God on this earth. You are to show the world Jesus. Are you God? No. You're his child. And, and, and guess what, though? You carry God everywhere you go. His spirit is in you. And as you peer into the word of God, as you feed on the word of God, as you reverence and honor and respect the word of God above everything else in your life, what happens now is you are transformed. You're metamorphosed is the Greek word. You're transfigured into the image of Jesus. His will for your life is that you be fashioned like unto Jesus. Do you think Jesus ever had, do you think he took any kind of medication for allergies during certain seasons in Israel? No. I mean, he walked free from sickness and disease. He had to. He was the spotless lamb of God. And he wants you to walk free from it too. Now, if you have sickness or disease in your body, if you'll notice all through the New Testament, People were not told they were a lesser person if they were fighting this. So don't let Satan go, well, you know, if I was a real strong believer, I wouldn't deal with this. No, no, don't even look at that. That has nothing to do with anything. Listen, he's seeking whom he may devour. He comes illegally. So what do you do? You get built up in the word. You follow God's plan for your life. You keep the door shut to him and you learn how to walk free. But you'll always have to deal with them on this earth. But as, as long as you humble yourself, you'll be in a position now to resist the devil and watch him run as in terror from you. Amen. So Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Laying hold of your healing. It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Now think about that. The Holy Spirit of God came into the body that when Jesus' spirit went back into his body, the Holy Spirit was there and he quickened Jesus' body and made it alive again. He, restored, he literally restored all his organs. He restored every cell of his body. The Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus up from the dead dwells in you, what is he going to do? He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Notice, now this word quicken, it literally means to make alive, to restore to health, and to heal. You cannot tell in this Greek word, this has no ending point. So this is what the Holy Spirit desires to do for you all the time. Why is that? Because if, the, if you'll notice, there's something in here, there's a word or there's something that's not in here that we talk about. You will, now, now you might retire from your particular work that God has you do on this earth. 
but you will never retire from full-time ministry. Every one of you, whether you know it or not, are in full-time ministry. You're called, you're gifted, you're ordained, you've been chosen by God, and your ministry will never, you'll never retire from that on this earth. When we are done with our ministry, guess what? We will be satisfied. We will have yielded all of our fruit in our season, and now, guess what we do? It's time to go home, right? And, and what happens is death. What is death? See, I don't have to taste death. I'll never taste spiritual death. I'll never have to see the angel of death. I'll never have to be incarcerated in hell because Jesus took that. He tasted that for me. Now death to me is just separation. Remember when Jesus, what did he do? He gave up, the, the King James says ghost. That ghost is the English term for spirit. He gave up his spirit. As you learn to walk by faith, expect when you get at a ripe old age and you're done on the earth to call your family around and go, hey, Papa's going home, Dad's going home, and then I'm just going to give up my spirit. Although I got to tell you, I have a feeling I probably won't have to do that because I have a feeling we're going to all hear a trumpet real soon. Because this church age is coming to an end, right? So, so here's the thing. But while I'm here, I've got to be strong and healthy. Now, is your body going to age? Absolutely. It's subject to sickness and disease. It's going to age, which means you might not be able to dunk a basketball when you're 95, but God's will is that you be strong enough to serve him and pain-free and sharp. Listen, a lot of people, they get older and all of a sudden they forget their, where they put their keys and they're like, oh man, I'm getting older. Duct tape your mouth. <laughs> because you've forgotten what it's like to be a teenager. No offense to teenagers. They forget everything. I mean, I'm just so glad that their head's attached. Because could you imagine? Oh, we got to go find the head again, right? You know? Right? So, so don't do, your mind is to get sharper. It's amazing how the enemy is bringing sickness and disease to where people's brains are not operating so that they can't function. Well, not, not, no more. Amen. doesn't have to be you. Amen. Yeah, but this is in my family. Well, the curse of the law says you've been redeemed from it. And your, your lineage is you are of God, little children. And guess what? He has no sickness. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken Make alive, restore to health, heal your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. So to be quickened from sickness and disease is to be healed, right? So you could say, Father, I thank you right now. I thank you that your spirit is restoring my body to health. I thank you that I'm the healed and all these symptoms have to leave. Your healing power, which comes from the inside, it comes right out of my spirit from him. And it's permeating every, every cell of my body to drive out sickness and disease. We said this before. Most believers, now a lot of believers, millions of believers don't believe God's a healer. Or they believe that he can heal if he wants to. So, but you can't have faith if you, you don't know if he heals. If God doesn't provide healing for everyone, how can you have faith for healing? Because how do you know you're the one that he doesn't want to provide it for? But his very nature and character is he's no respecter of persons. There's no variableness in him, which means if he's done it for one, he'll do it for everyone. He, everything, salvation is for everyone. Jesus, think about this. Jesus literally paid the price for every sin of every human being who has ever lived or who will ever live. That means all the Old Testament people that did not serve God, 
he still bore all of their sin, even knowing they were lost. Why? Because that's God's nature. God just can't go, I like Leanne more than I like Pastor Tony. You know, Leanne is his favorite. So am I. We're all his favorite. So most believers, though, that believe God's a healer, this is where the enemy gets you. They're looking at their bodies. They're looking for healing to come from the outside to their physical bodies. And they're always looking to the outside. So they're looking to their body to see if they're healed. healed. And you don't need to look at your body to see if you're healed. You have to look to the Word of God to see if you're healed. Right? Because you must believe that you receive before you have. Healing comes from the spirit realm. It's your spiritual blessing. But you lay hold of it through faith, and faith will give substance to your healing so that now it manifests in your body. So this is very, very important. You don't wrestle against your own body to obtain healing. Everybody's looking at their body all day, every day. Okay, is my knee better? Is this better? If it is, I get excited. If it, if it gets worse, I'm not excited. Forget all of that. Healing is yours. Wholeness is yours. If you have a joint, a knee, a hip, if you have something that's not working right, you should be real happy today because while you're sitting here in church, the Holy Spirit of God is restoring it to health if you'll let him. If you'll, and how do you let them? You simply believe that. How do I know you believe it? Because you'll speak it. If you're not speaking it, it's not an abundance in your heart. You, you, you're mentally assenting to it, but you don't have faith. But oh, if you have faith, you'll speak. Right? We don't wrestle. I, can't, I could say this a hundred times. We don't wrestle against our body to obtain healing. If you do, you're going to always judge whether or not you're healed by what your body's telling you. And you'll be like this. Well, I guess I got it. Well, maybe I didn't. And then you'll mess up. Then you'll be ugly to your spouse or you'll, you'll do something or say something or whatever and then Satan will jump on top of you and go, see, you're never, you, you, don't, get, you don't have this. Right? And all of a sudden you'll start thinking what I'm doing is who I am. And then Satan's got you. Do you know what you do is not who you are? Do you know the Bible says that your spirit man, who you are a spirit, you can't even sin? Do you know what happens when you sin? I say you, but all you're doing is you allow your mind, your unredeemed mind, to side with your flesh and, your, and you just operate out of your flesh. The sin nature is in my flesh. It's not in my spirit. So, can I say I'm healed? Yes. The Bible commands me to hold fast to say what God says. And God says he, God says he sent his word and healed me. We recognize that the healing power of God, which is the Holy Spirit, he dwells in you. How far does God got to go to heal your body? Nowhere. He's right there. So, physical healing then has a spiritual source, not a physical source. Sickness and disease has a spiritual origin, right? We, when God created the earth... At the end of those six days, he looked at everything that he had created. He said it was good. And if you'll notice, now he ceased. He, he, he ended everything. It was all done. Now he rested. He ceased from his own works. Did you notice in creation, in those six days, there was no sickness and disease? But after Adam sinned, and now when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. And now when spiritual death happened, 
when Adam invited spiritual death into the earth because he sinned against God. To sin means to miss the mark. God says, don't eat of this tree, and he, he chose to eat of it. Well, when that happened, the Bible says that sin entered the world and death entered the world by sin. So now, after this, is when you see all sickness and disease. Jesus called. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus called sickness and disease satanic oppression. Sickness and disease, we said this last week, this is not just where bacteria is, is manifesting, right? It's not because of some germ. It has a spiritual origin that all that other stuff comes from. When the healing power of God comes out of your spirit, it will go to the spiritual source and kill it and drive it out. And then the healing power of God, it just, it just causes the physical to manifest. But it goes to the root of the problem the spiritual root. The spiritual source of God's healing power is the finished work of Christ. So it says it really well in John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, the thief being Satan. But Jesus says, But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, if it's, not, if it's not producing life, it's not from God and you don't have to have it in your life. If it's trying to steal, kill, or destroy from you, we know where it's from. You know, if you get in a battle, you got to know your enemy. Do you know millions of Christians don't even know their enemy? So we got to know these things. In Psalm 107.20, I mentioned it earlier, the Bible says, He sent His Word. Well, who is the Word? That's Jesus. He sent His Word and healed them. That is the word Rapha. One of His redemptive names is Jehovah Rapha the Lord that healeth you. If you study this word, I wrote down some of the definition of it. This word, it's a verb. It describes the process of physical healing and having a body restored to health. It's not spiritual healing. Nobody knows what that is anyway. Listen, there is no such thing as spiritual healing. Your spirit was not healed. He took out the spirit that was dead and he put a brand new spirit in you, you don't need to have spiritual healing. Now, but yeah, but pastor, I've got all these problems and depression and all this stuff. Yeah, renew your mind with the word and it'll take care of all of that. He will pull out every one of those lies, everything, and he'll walk free from all of it. But your spirit, man, is, is fine. Amen? Rapha. It literally means it describes the process of physical healing, of restoring to health. It literally means to heal. It means completely healed, to become fresh, to repair, to cure, to thoroughly make whole. He sent his word, that's past tense, and healed them. That's for you today. It refers to a person such as a physician, such as a healer. We call Jesus, he is the great physician. He's not a practicing physician. He's the great physician, right? I mean, Dr. Ruthry, what's really cool about her is she has these gifts of being a doctor, a physician, but she has the great physician on the inside of her. So if there's something that she doesn't know, guess what? The great physician in her knows. Isn't that good? That is awesome. It says in Psalm 103, in verse 2, it use, in verse 2 and 3, it uses this word Rapha again. 
In Psalm 103, 2, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And we're just going to read a couple of them for time's sake. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Is there anything you've ever done or could ever do that is not forgiven? There's not anything, is there? He literally took your sin and put it as far as the east is from the west. Those points never connect. He put it, what is called, into the sea of forgetfulness. He remembers it no more. Isn't that awesome? And then it goes on to say, who healeth, who raffas all of your diseases. He sent his word and healed. Now, now this is real interesting because people will say, well, if God healed all of my diseases, then why in the world do I have to deal with sickness? Well, he forgave all your iniquities, but have you ever had to deal with sin? I mean, maybe none of you have ever sinned here since you were a Christian, but I, I'd have to go, yeah, I, I, have to deal, I have to deal with it every day, right? So it can't, what people are saying, that can't even be a right thought process because, listen, my sin's been eradicated, but I can still walk in it. Sickness and disease, it's all been eradicated. It has no legal right. But man, if I let the enemy come in, or sometimes he just comes in, I can have to deal with it. But guess what? This is why the Bible says so much about healing. God wants you well. He paid a huge price so that sickness and disease, if it came to you, cannot stay. It has to leave. Well, I know, you know, yeah, but you know, when we go to heaven in death, ultimately we're healed. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. No, we're talking about here on the earth. Now listen, if a Christian dies of sickness and disease, there is no defeat. Don't feel sorry for them. As soon as they get to heaven, as soon as they step out of their body, they'll be standing before Jesus and they'll be like, Oh, man, I didn't have to be here. But then they'll be like, but oh, Lord, it's so good to be here. And I, I, I really don't want to go back. Right? I, I mean, so you leave the planet a little early. So what? But, but see, on this end of it, let's not do that. Don't leave this planet. Don't give that loser Satan anything. If you want to go home, get healed. Receive your healing and then go home. Right? I love, uh, who was it? Oh, Hilton Sutton. Hilton Sutton was a great end time minister. And man, he was diagnosed with cancer. And, uh, you know, he surrounded by wonderful men and women of God. And this guy, he just became a walking Bible of healing. And it got to the point to where the doctor goes, Hilton... I mean, I rem I, we, were, we heard this story at the Copeland Ministers Conference. And the doctor said, Hilton, there is not a cancer cell in your body. And he's like, praise God. And then he went home. Because he had determined in his heart, I am not going, I'm not leaving this earth. I'm not giving him. No, I'm not giving him the satisfaction. Absolutely. I, there's no way. I'll, I'll, I'll receive my healing, then I'll go home. Right? Amen. See, that's faith. Do you know you might have this nice little personality where you are the sweetest, gentlest person? But you gotta, you got to understand, in your spirit, you want to rip demons' heads off. I don't care. It's just it's part of our DNA. The Bible says we are never to let the sun go down on our anger. That's not a marriage scripture. Right? You know that? If you read that in, I think I told the men that the other day, or I told somebody. You know, it's not a marriage scripture. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, we can argue all day long, but before, hey, honey, the sun's going down. Uh, you know, I'm just, uh, we got to stop arguing. No, no, that's not what that's talking about. It's talking about you never stop hating evil. When you walk with the Lord, He will prompt you to stir yourself. Man, I'll just stir myself. 
I'll see a commercial of St. Jude with kids and I just stir myself. I'm like, Satan, I hate you and I am going to tell the world with every fiber of my being. I'm going to tell my whole life and you can't stop it. I'm going to tell people that Jesus is a healer and we're going to, we're, this is going to get so loud, we're going to see these kids healed. We're going to see a healing revival come all over this world and there's nothing you can do about it. I bet he was pretty upset, although he's spiritually dead, so he maybe not. But I bet he was pretty upset that he tried to kill Kenneth Hagin. Little, little kid with an incurable heart disease, deformed heart, incurable blood disease, never supposed to live past 16. And look at that. I mean, do you realize that guy who's in heaven today, been there for 15 years, is literally producing more fruit today than he ever did on the earth? Not even, there's not even a comparison. It's amazing. I love technology. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. It says, Who his own self, Jesus, this is talking about Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree or on the cross as we know it, that we being dead to sins, aren't you glad? I'm dead to sin. My spirit man has no sin nature in it. The only sin nature I ever deal with is in my flesh, and I could renew my mind, and I could rise up in my spirit and never let it operate. The power of it's been broken over my life. I have the ability to never fear. Isn't that awesome? Who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were, past tense, healed. Now this is the Greek word, iaomai. You were healed. That word iaomai means to doctor. Now this is talking about physical. By his stripes I was healed. I was iaomide. It means literally to doctor, to cure, it means to heal, to make whole. It denotes a progression. It's exactly like Romans chapter 8, to restore your body to health and wholeness. Isn't that good news? Guys, this is not optional. This is not, well, God will do it for some and not others. You could be sitting here today going, I've had these symptoms in my body for decades, Okay, forget all that and realize today you don't have to have them in there. Whatever you're facing, and as you feed on the word of God, faith will come to enable you to grab hold and lay hold of your healing. By whose stripes you were, past tense, healed. I quoted it earlier, but go over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ. What is Christ? That word means the anointed one and his anointing. Half. That means it's past tense. This is something that was already done. Redeemed you. It says redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Repeat this after me. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ redeemed, me redeemed me from the curse, from the curse of, the law. of the law. Redeemed. Let's look at what this word means. It literally means to buy out, to ransom, and it means to rescue. Jesus bought you out of, he rescued you, he ransomed you from the curse of the law. That's already happened. The curse of the law has no legal right. You've been literally rescued and ransomed out of it. Okay? It literally means, this word redeems, redeemed means to be taken out of one place but that's not the whole meaning, and to be placed somewhere else. Okay? So what does that mean? 
we are separated from the curse of the law and separated to the blessing of God. Isn't that good news? Jesus redeemed us from the curse of disobeying God's commands. The curse of the law, it was the curse that would come on people. Now, God would not curse them. The curse was already in the earth. God's word is life. But if they disobeyed God's word, the curse would come upon them. So this curse that we've been redeemed from, we've been redeemed from the curse of disobeying God's law. God is life. The curse brings death. But look at what it says here. How did he do it? Being made a curse for us. See, the only way that that Jesus could redeem us is he had to take our place. He was made a curse. This is why he wore a crown of thorns. If you go back to the fall of man, thorns were a type of the curse. He hung on that cross He was redeeming you from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written. Where is it written? In Deuteronomy 21, 23. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now why did Jesus do that? Verse 14, so that, it says that, or you could say so that, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Well, who are the Gentiles? Gentiles would be anyone who's not a Jew. So basically, it's talking about, so this would come upon everyone. How? Through Jesus Christ. Now, New Testament, because Jesus died, true Jews are us. Not the natural Jewish people on the earth. No, I'm a a Jew. Now, that's what, that's what Paul said in his writings. That did not make him very popular. It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So see, the blessing comes through Jesus or the blessing comes through the anointed word. Right? How's the blessing going to come to you? Through the anointed word. Well, how does that happen? You meditate in it. Day and night, you say it over and over to yourself. The light goes on in your spirit and the Holy Spirit brings revelation knowledge and the word will start speaking to you. Tony, you've been redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease. When I hear the word say that to me down in my spirit, faith is birthed and it enables me to lay hold of my healing because you lay hold of everything that God has given you by his grace You lay hold of it through faith. But faith only comes by hearing his word. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is that? The promise of the Spirit, that we'd be saved. So see, God had a plan with Jesus to remove the curse off of our life. I mean, isn't that cool? Now I can receive Christ and be born again, and now the curse is removed, so now the blessing of Abraham. It's the blessing of God that God blessed Abraham with. That same blessing can come upon me now. That's that's really good news. This curse that it's talking about. It's the curse of the law. It's the curse that came. It was listed from the Mosaic Covenant. Now the curse came as a result of spiritual death. And the Mosaic Covenant included two major categories of the curse. Sickness and disease, poverty and lack. So this is why we say the curse of the law is threefold. It includes spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. This Mosaic law. The curse of the law came as a result of of Adam's sin. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, from verse 1 through verse 14, it lists the blessing. It's pretty exciting. 
From verse 15 through verse 68, it lists all the curse. Do you know it lists all these sicknesses and all these diseases that, are, that would come upon you if you disobeyed God's law? We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But then in verse 61, it says, and every other sickness that is not named. So the curse of the law includes all sickness and all disease. So say this with me. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, from all sickness and all disease. We might as well keep going, right? And all poverty and all lack. Isn't that good news? So it really explains this redeem thing in Colossians 1.13. In Colossians 1.13, it says this, talking about Jesus, who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness. That means, that word power means the delegated influence of darkness and has translated us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. That word translated means to transfer to or remove from one place and put you someplace else. You were redeemed because of Jesus on that cross. When he said, it is finished, it was finished. And now, the moment you, you were born again, it was all paid for 2,000 years ago. And whenever you chose to bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when you chose to believe the Word of God, and then you said, Jesus, I believe your word. I believe you lived, died on a cross, rose again, are now seated in heaven. And now because of that, I proclaim you are my Lord. I'm no longer my Lord. You are. The Holy Spirit comes into you, takes out the spiritually dead spirit that you were, and puts a brand new spirit in you and you're born again. And at that time, what happened 2,000 years ago, you become a partaker of you now, you are out of the delegated influence. Think about that. You are out from under the delegated influence of darkness and you are in the kingdom of God right now. Wow. Lord, give us revelation. Now see, this is why right now, you know... <laughs> When we get a full revelation of this, we'd have to take a break because all of you would be yelling and screaming and running around. I would be doing, you know, because we'd realize this. See, but why not? Because there's still an illusion of bondage. But where is that illusion at? It's in your mind. The illusion of bondage continues and it's going to take the Holy Spirit to bring revelation knowledge of the Word of God and renew your mind so that you know you're not under the delicated influence of darkness. Because when your body's hurting, when the spirit of fear comes, and it just, every fiber of your being goes, oh. And Satan goes, oh, you're in fear. No, no, that doesn't mean you're in fear. Fear is external. That's when, when you're full of the word, you're going to be like, no. Fear, you leave in Jesus' name. Ha, 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 I'm not afraid. Amen. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? You could die. That sounds good. I mean, to be in the presence of the Lord? To go home? Wow. Don't tempt me. Right? But we're not going to go home because we got a lot to do. We got a lot to do. Hallelujah. So this is huge. The blessing of Abraham is an endowment of power that will produce good things in your life. Now, the blessing of Abraham, let's just define it. I'll just read this to you. Genesis 12, verse 1 and 2, when God came to Abraham, and this is a real key with walking this out. When God came to Abraham, he was 75 years old. Okay? This is what he said to him. Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now that's big because Abraham, being the first son, was an heir to a huge inheritance. So God is like, Abram, 
to walk in the blessing that I have for you, you are going to have to completely unhook from anything in your family or in the natural from being your source because I need to be your source completely. So this was huge. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee. This is the blessing of Abraham. And I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. See, our part is to separate ourselves from the world system. As Abraham had to leave all the natural provision, we have to separate ourselves from the world system. Now, you could do that if you're still in debt. Just make a decision. I'm doing that. I'm separating myself. I'm going to start honoring God in my finances. I'm going to believe God for all this debt to be eradicated. That's my right as a child of God. And he'll get you free from the world system. Our part is to separate ourselves from the world system and also follow God so that we learn his system. His system's pretty good. His system, you don't have to have surgery. His system, though, if you have to have surgery, if he leads you to have surgery because he knows where you're at, then he'll be with you He'll, his hand will be upon the surgeon and the anesthesiologist. He'll keep all the bacteria in the hospital away from you. He'll, his presence will rest in your room. And oh, by the way, when you have the surgery, he will turn up all the healing power. His holy, as you're laying there, the Holy Spirit will quicken your mortal body and restore it to health faster than normal. That's all available. You, all you have to do is reach out and take it. It's not, it's not maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. No, no, no. It's already been, it's already been done. If you're going to have surgery, Jesus knew that. He died for that 2,000 years ago. It's already paid for. Healing is yours. Yeah, but, but if I'm having surgery, am I believing God? Listen, if you're having surgery, you better believe God. If you're taking medicine, you better believe God. But, oh, if you believe God and you do this, you won't have to, ultimately, you'll, you'll get past the surgery. You'll get past doctors and you'll get past medicine and and here's what you'll get past you'll get past the fear of doctors the fear of oh i really you know i think i got some stuff going on in my body and i don't want to go to the doctor uh because you know i mean i have a friend down in tulsa that way he's scared to death of doctors because he's like man i i don't want them to tell me i'm sick because you know well that's not faith right God has a way for you to live fearless, live healthy, live strong. So let's look at, as we're kind of coming down the hill here, let's go to, go to Hebrews chapter 11. Because we know from these scriptures that God has provided healing to everyone. You know, and I think we went through this, well, we did go through this, I believe, last Wednesday. We got to look at what faith is, because faith is how you lay hold of it. You need to know what faith is. So Hebrews 11.1 1 gives an explanation, or I'm sorry, it gives a definition of faith. So it says here in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That gives a definition of faith. Now we need to understand this. First of all, it says, now faith is. Faith is always now. I'm not going to be healed, I am healed. Faith says, it's mine, I have it now, right? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. This word substance can be translated confidence of things hoped for, realization of things hoped for. Now hope is different than it may happen, it may not. No, Bible hope, this Greek word means a joyous, confident expectation. It's based on a future certainty because God already said he gave it to you. So my faith will give substance to the thing I'm hoping for. Hoping for that I'm full of joy and I'm confident and I'm expecting. Hope is for something not now. 
It's for something out in the future. My faith will reach in and grab hold of and give substance in this realm to what I'm hoping for. Does that make sense? Or what I'm expecting. It says it's the evidence, that word means proof, of things not seen. And it, this doesn't mean just things that you don't see with your physical eye. It means things not perceived by your senses. Faith, you can't perceive faith with your senses. So, like, I have this bottle of cologne. Could you imagine if I walked up to the counter at Von Mar and, and here this lady comes up to me and she's going to sell me cologne? So could you imagine if I said, well, you know, let me, let me, let me, I, I need to perceive this with my senses. Could you imagine if I went like this, or I open it up and I'm like, uh, ma'am, I, I don't, I don't, I, I can't, right? So many people are trying to perceive faith with their senses. It would be like me trying to perceive perfume with my ear. My ear can't perceive perfume, right? In the same way, you might not perceive faith. You, you can't perceive faith with your senses. You will perceive faith with your spirit, though. You'll know you're in faith. Why? Oh, because you're walking around. You can see it. It'll show up on your countenance. It's mine, I have it now. You know? People come up, well, how are you feeling? You know what? I don't really talk about how I'm feeling, but man, I can share with you how I'm believing. That's right. I believe I'm healed. And let me show you why. I've got a doctor's report. Now, I got the great physician's report, and I believe it. He said, by his stripes, I was healed. See, don't, don't expect your senses to tell you that you're healed expect you're healed because the word says you're healed. That's faith. Now faith gives substance to the things I'm expecting. Faith is the proof that I have what I can't perceive right now with my senses. See, most fail to receive from God because they're looking at natural things to tell them whether or not the word of God works. They're looking at natural things. I got to look at it. Today is my condition better. I got to look at it. Now your flesh will just yearn to do that. And here's another thing. God will meet you right where your faith is. You might, your faith might be right here. I'm believing God that tomorrow my, the symptoms in my body are going to be a little bit less and it's going to get a little better than it is today. If that's where your faith is, grab onto that. But keep feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding. Because you'll be walking around going, I'm, I'm, Father, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that Jesus himself bore my sickness and carried my pain. And with his stripes, I am healed. See, it'll just get so big in you. Faith is for things not seen and not yet. And see, faith is a spiritual force that comes out of your spirit. So if you're judging the truth of the word with the facts that you perceive with your senses, hear this. I think I said this Wednesday night, maybe. You are not in faith. If you're judging the facts that you're seeing, if you're using those facts that you're looking at to judge whether or not the word is working for you or whether or not the word is true, the truth of the word, you're not in faith. So what do you do if you're there? Just start hearing the word of God. You're made, you're made to believe the word of God. And as you feed on it, I'm telling you, all the doubt and unbelief in your head cannot measure the incredible power that will come out of your heart of faith that comes out of your heart. Faith is what receives from God. So now, as we keep going with this, go to Mark chapter 11. So we've talked about what faith is. We've defined it. 
But now, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through verse 24, it will explain what faith is. And it will give us an explanation of faith. Hallelujah. Is this helping you today? This is, what, what are we talking about? We're talking about you laying hold of your healing. You laying hold of the blessing of God. I'm telling you, this is, this is it coming out of my spirit all the time that God wants to eradicate sickness and disease in our church. Faith Family Church is to be a place of healing. It's, it, it just is. It's part of the mandate. Reaching people, changing lives, a big part of that is helping them see that the God of heaven loves them and is their healer. And there is no diagnosis too great or too last minute for him. It's never too late. Mark eleven twenty two says this. Now we're talking about the fig tree. Jesus cursed the fig tree probably 24 hours earlier, a little over. And now Peter says, Lord, that fig tree that you cursed is withered away. It's dried up from the root. So now Jesus is answering them and he's going to explain the faith of God. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. You can translate that, have the faith of God, have the God kind of faith. And now he's going to explain it. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in your heart, but shall believe that those things which he says will come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says." And then he says, because of that, therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. If you're sick, would you desire healing? Yeah. So that would fit into there. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. That means, that, that word receive means believe that you seize hold of them. What? Whatever you desire could be your healing. Believe that you, you lay hold of it. Now remember, you're not going to see it. You can't see your healing yet. Your body hasn't changed yet. The only thing, the only reason why you could grab hold of it is because the word spoke to your heart, faith was birthed, and you became fully persuaded that it's yours now. Believe that you receive, Right? Believe you receive them, and then what does it say? And you might have them. You shall have them, right? Which means that I will see it in this realm. But you got to believe that you receive before you have. Now notice, we and the enemy will be all over you about the having part. I said this Wednesday night, or last Sunday, I can't remember. I, every problem of faith, is a four-letter word. It has to do with one word, when. Every problem you'll ever have is when you start asking when. Forget when. Notice it says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. It didn't say that you'll have them in two days. It didn't give a time limit, did it? Now, if you go back to Matthew 21, Matthew 21's account of the parable of the fig tree, they were all excited. Lord, look how quick that tree dried up because it happened so fast. And have you ever had that? You pray about something and man, instantly you're healed or instantly it, it happens and you're so excited. Be careful. Don't get excited about how fast it happened because the next time, if it takes a little while, the enemy's going to sit on your shoulder and go, well, you must not be in faith. Because, hey, it's been two months. It's been three months. It's actually getting worse, you know. And, and you start looking at the having part, you're going to let go. You'll just, you'll let go. Why? Because that's not your part. That's God's part. Your part is to believe that you receive. Your part is to, it, your part literally starts with, I'm going to reverence the word of God. I'm going to get over myself. I'm going to put his word first and do whatever his word says. Because now when I'm in that part, when I come to church, when I hear the word, when I'm reading the word, the faith, it's, the word starts speaking to me in my heart and now faith is birth. And I don't have faith events. I live by faith. 
I walk by faith all the time. I'm constantly, the word is constantly speaking to me. As I'm preaching to you, there are scriptures that are speaking to my spirit that have nothing to do with this sermon. I don't know how I could do that because my spirit has a greater capacity than I do. But it just constantly, when I'm sleeping, the word, it's faith. It builds faith. Faith only comes by hearing the word. So Satan is going to try to get you looking at circumstances because when you look at circumstances, you'll, start, you'll stop feeding on the word and your spirit man will go quiet and things will no longer be fresh and come into church. Now you're going to start looking for the time clock and you'll start thinking, well, you know, I'm really tired. Maybe I shouldn't go to church. And oh, you know, it just doesn't work for me to go to church on a Wednesday night. I know the Lord wants me to, but you know, I just, I, I just too tired to do that. And, and you know, then all of a sudden it goes from there to where all your flesh starts manifesting in your marriage and at work. And pretty soon, you know, then pretty soon what happens is everything blows up. This happens to parents. They don't live for God. They become a Christian that goes to church sometimes, and, and, they, and they just, they, they just they, they, let their, they let their speech slip at home. They don't let their kids see them be in the Word. And, and everything's still cool. You know, when they're little, the kids are just begging them, oh, let's go to church, let's go to church. But then all of a sudden, in middle school, it just stops. Then in middle school, all of a sudden, hey, let's go to church. And the kids are like, I don't want to. Why? Well, because you as a parent, you've trained them for years. That it's not really number one in your life. And when they go to school, they're getting inundated there that people don't even know God. And then when they get in high school, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then they go to college and they never want to have anything to do with God. Or... You're in the word all the time and God's first and you're seeing him move and you're walking by faith, but then you kind of get out of it. Or you get so active in doing things at the church that you stop being in the word so nothing becomes fresh anymore. And you sit in church and pretty soon you're convinced that it might be for everybody else but not for you. And then you get deceived and you actually think you're spiritually mature, but you're never in the word. And then all of a sudden, you realize, I'm just not walking by faith anymore. Has it ever happened to anybody? It can happen to all of us this quick. This is why you want to rally and find people like Pastor Edwin. Right? You want to rally and find people like Jim and Angela. You want to find people like Alyssa Walker. And you want, you want to surround yourself with these people because they'll help you stay hungry. Man, I'm telling you guys, we are living in a Christian environment that is way, way off. We have Christians that are going, they're looking at the Bible and they're like, the Bible it's just, it's not something that I'm getting excited about anymore. Here's the reason, the only reason why. Because when you feed your spirit, your spirit gets hungrier. If you stop feeding your spirit, your spirit just gets quiet. It's opposite from your flesh. Don't feed your flesh and your flesh will let you know. Feed me right? It's opposite. So what I'm telling you today, wherever you are, number one, don't beat yourself up because there's no guilt and condemnation for those that are in Christ. And you're in Christ if the Spirit of God is in you. But if you're not doing something that you should be doing as you're sitting here today, you know what it is. Now I'll guarantee you for all of us there's more than what we see, but that's okay. Don't worry about that. God only works one area at a time. Start doing what you know to do. Stop doing, if that one thing might be that you need to stop doing something. Right? For some of you men, 
Now, this is coming up in my spirit for some of you men. Your life spiritually will explode if you start opening the door for your wife and stop honor and start honoring her and valuing her with your words and start walking around during your day going, Father, I thank you for my wife. She's so beautiful. She's so wonderful. She's my best friend. I thank you for bringing her into my life. Your life will explode spiritually. I mean, there's little things, guys. If you're, if, you know, if you're supposed to be at church, be at church. Now, I got some scriptures you know, to tell you that you're supposed to be at church, but I'll be nice, okay? Yeah, but see, this is the problem. There's so many Christians. They say the average Christian goes to church 1.5 times a month. And most go, like we, we've been here, you have been sitting in church for a whole hour and 41 minutes. Now, they tell you you can't grow a church if your services are more, well, it used to be an hour and a half. Now, recently, it's just backed up to an hour and 15 minutes. And sermons can't be any more than 25 minutes now. So most people are going to church 1.5 times a month and they're hearing a 35 or 25 minute sermon that might showcase two scriptures once a week. Which means they're never in the word on their own. And this is why we have what we have. So here's the cool thing. You passionately pursue the presence of God and you will help your brothers and sisters. And if you've messed up with your kids, guess what? They're coming back because you can make decisions. You know, for 30 some years, and I know I say this all the time, all the years of youth ministry, the hardest, the hardest bunch I've ever had to reach were when the parents did not live for God and put God first in their life. And I understand there's pressures. You work out what he's working in, but here's what I would encourage you to do. Here is step number one to laying hold. And there's so many other scriptures. But to lay hold of, the, of, of, of everything God has for you, put the word first place in your life. I would encourage you today, to take time and, and look at your schedule. And I would encourage you, no matter what time you have to get up, you need to spend time with the Lord in his word and in prayer before you get to work. And then I would encourage you, I don't care if it's five minutes, but when you're reading the word in the morning, you grab a scripture that pertains to what you're facing and take it with you. If you have a smartphone, put it on your phone. And then sometime in the middle of your day, whether it's at a break, at lunch, maybe you have to just step out and go sit in your car, speak that word over your, your life. Pray. Have a little time right in the middle of the day. I don't care if it's two minutes. And then... In your evening, before you go to bed, because Satan messes with you, if you'll let him at night. And it, but it's wonderful. You wake up and you're like, wow. But, you know, I even struggle because the enemy will try to throw thoughts and stuff. And sometimes I have to wake up and sit in a chair and go, no, 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 no. You're bound. Then I go back to sleep, you know. But just at the end of your night, do that. I challenge you to do that through the end of the year. Because, guys... God wants you well. He wants you operating beyond. See, here's the thing. If you'll put him first, you'll get your eyes off yourself. But if you don't put him first, you're going to be you're going to be first. And man, I can't do anything for God cuz I got to do this and I got to do that and you will never be fulfilled that way cuz you're not created to be that way. Amen.